Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Got a love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalloners. I'm your host, Shallon Lester. But before we get into it, let's do our relaxation ritual because a relaxed mind is a receptive mind, right? So we're going to breathe in through the nose and hold it for a few seconds and exhale, right? We're going to do it again. This time, focusing on dropping your shoulders, relaxing your jaw, taking your tongue off the roof of your mouth. One more time. In. and out right this is nice okay let's get into it now we are ready to receive the word we have awoken the mighty women so the first question comes from sarah and she said i'll get right into it should you tell a guy you're a virgin before you sleep with him since i've never had sex i don't know if that's important for him to know i recently met someone i could casually like see it going there with i just turned 28 and he's 20. so shallon you inspired me i guess (laughs) this is true because i love younger dudes i think even if all things being equal which a lot of times they are because age is really no guarantee of maturity like the most awful breakup i had was with a 40 year old the best one was with a 21 year old so like If maturity kind of is what it is, uh, I'd rather be with someone hotter with a default six pack because he's still 22 and a D1 athlete. So I am very happy that Sarah is going down my similar cougar path. Well, Puma, we're not cougars yet, you know, we're Pumas. But like, there's two schools of thought on disclosing whether or not you're a virgin. One, I don't think that anyone has an entitlement to our sexual history, you know? And I've talked about this in recent videos that like women sort of feel obligated to give everyone an answer and all of this transparency about our history and what we've been through and just details about our life. Like, I don't subscribe to that. I never even told my ex-husband how old I was. Like he figured it out, but I didn't tell him. I didn't think it was any of his business. You know, I'm very private about certain things and I'm very, very open about certain things. And that's just the way I like it. Die mad about it. But, In this specific circumstance, I do think it's important to disclose that you're a virgin. So a huge reason is because of the age difference, right? Younger guys like older chicks, mostly because we're more confident. We know ourselves, we're not like, we're more fully formed as a person. We take less shit and they like that. And also that means that confidence and that experience adds up to us like being better in bed. We know what we like, we know what to do, we know what to do to them. It's just like a more seamless sexual experience for guys and they're really into it. But if that's not your history, like this could feel like a bait and switch to him, you know? And I would wanna know personally if I was taking someone's virginity, like that's a big deal. I'd also wanna know if a guy was only sleeping with me because he thought I was gonna be some sort of like cougar wildcat in bed, you know? And that is a lot of times how it goes. Like one boy that I hook up with sometimes, he gets on my nerves, but like he's a lot younger. And I remember like one time we were hooking up and like I was on top of him and I was choking him. And he's like, okay, like show me how crazy you can be. And I'm like, this is it. What do you want a balloon drop? Like the USC marching band to come bursting through the door. Like I am being pretty crazy and this needs to be enough for you. 
Sorry that you are like watching weird porn all the time and you think I should like morph into some sort of like anime octopus. I don't know what to tell you, my dude. So like they have maybe an unrealistic expectation of what crazy sex looks like. It doesn't look like a gangbang star in James Dean. Sorry, bro. <clears throat> so I think you want to know if that's all he wants out of this situation, right? That's not good for you. So this, but it also might not be a big deal, but you want to find that out before you lose your virginity. Because look, the other side of this argument is that it is very, very likely you're going to catch feelings and bond with the person who takes your virginity. That is simply how we're hardwired, right? And I don't care if you're 28, 38, or 18, losing your virginity is a big deal. You think about it a lot, but like, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be, you know, something that sets the tone for the rest of your sexual career. Like, think about the first thing you ate. It was breast milk. Are you, like, sitting at Morton Steakhouse and being like, damn, I wish I had a glass of breast milk. No! You're like, that's just where I started, but I evolved pretty quickly. But still, there's a reason weaning is a term, because, like, it sucks to get weaned off of breast milk. You know, there is an element of bonding to the first thing that you experience, you know? So ask yourself, how am I going to feel if I sleep with this guy and it does remain very casual? If he only texts me 2.30 a.m., you up? Am I going to feel kind of icky? Am I going to feel like I made a bad decision? And Maybe had I just held out another six months, I would have met a really good guy, you know? It's unpleasant <laughs> to catch feelings, but it happens and we have to anticipate that. You can lie to your friends, you can lie to me, don't lie to yourself about what you truly are hoping to get out of a situation. And more importantly, don't lie to yourself about how realistic that might be. Because one thing younger guys do not expect from an older chick is for us to catch feelings for them at all. We exist in this sort of like untouchable realm. Like my ex Joe was always like, oh my God, older chicks are like the dream. And I was like, why? Tell me everything, I need to know this. He was like 21. And he's like, because you guys are like hard to get, like you have such your own life and your own vibe and your own confidence. You don't need us. I'm like, I'm glad you think that because <laughs> I very much do need like younger dudes. I don't want anybody my age. So he could be viewing this as a bait and switch in a lot of ways. Like, oh, not only is she way less sexual experience than me, who's eight years younger than her, but she likes me and I don't know what to do with this. So that could spook him and he could run away, right? So think about this. Like, think about the best case scenario and think about the worst case scenario. Because definitely, definitely, you don't want to be making a fear-based decision, right? If you're just going to sleep with this guy because you want to be relieved of your virginity and you feel weird and you feel like it's hindering you and holding you back and the whole world's looking at you funny and you're off schedule, nah, girl, nah. You know how many people are thinking about what you do with your vagina? Zero. Not even your gynecologist. She don't care either. Nobody but you is concerned about who you're sleeping with, right? So th this like fear that you're feeling is coming from just inside. There's no outside data to support this, right? But if you start making those fear-based decisions now, it's never gonna stop. Because a big reason girls get caught up in the person who they sleep with the first time and takes their V card is because they did make a fear-based decision. They're like, well, I need to feel normal. I need him to like me. I need to be caught up with my peers. So, okay, I'm just gonna sleep with this guy. And that will set a bad pattern for the rest of your life because you're always going to feel like just you weren't quite ready and you were thrown into a situation or a dynamic that just wasn't a fit for you. Wait another six months. Wait another year. Having sex is like suicide. You could always do it tomorrow, you know, but like once you do it, you can't take it back. 
So think long and hard, like I said, about not only what you want, but what's realistic and what you want from your sexual career as a whole. What do you want in your life right now? Do you want a boyfriend? That's fine. But if you want a boyfriend, don't go down a path of a booty call because it is never, ever going to get there. Okay, so Coco submitted this next question. She said, I've just gotten out of a nine-year friendship. I thought the friendship was holding me back because she was really codependent. I could no longer share my success or my goals with her because she wasn't doing anything with her own life. The friendship ended because I quit focusing on her and instead focused on changing myself for the better. Even though I ended it wrong, I said, I need a break. She's no longer following me on social media. I want to be the winner in this situation. How do I come out on top and stay classy and save face without being a bitch? And what strategies would you suggest going forward? So... Why do you need to win? This is concerning. We talk a lot about conflict and war, and what do we talk about? Peace versus victory. You always have to analyze your opponent, and more importantly, yourself, about what it is you're after. Because if you're after peace, if Coco's after peace, she's got it. She's extricated herself from a situation that was no longer working. And like, what is winning? What is a victory, however that even looks? Like, forget about trying to like get it. What is that even defined as? What is that going to get you? You know, she's already out of your life. You're moving on. Why would you go backwards into something that's damaging to both of you? Because look, damage will be done to both of you. You're going to be cruel to her for like what possible benefit or outcome to your life, you know, and you're just going to get dragged back into a situation that number one, you worked really hard to get out of. And number two, wasn't serving you to begin with, you know. If you think you ended it wrong, don't double down on that and try to beat her. You know, if you think you ended it wrong, that to me hints at guilt. So why do you want to go further down that path of doing more things to feel guilty about? Do you know what I mean? And look, codependency is not one-sided. Keyword there is co, right? You were part of it too. And maybe this need to win is kind of at the root of it. Like, Maybe you sort of enjoyed telling her about all your successes because you knew she wasn't doing anything with her life. So you kind of got that added benefit of like making your accomplishments shine all the brighter in comparison to hers. Huh? Maybe that's it. Whatever the dynamic, you got out of it, you leveled up, that is the win. Okay? You have won. So don't backslide only to be mean to someone who like kind of isn't doing that well to begin with. Cruelty is never rewarded. It's not rewarded in an interpersonal dynamic and it's not rewarded overall by karma. And it's not even rewarded by like us in our own lives. Like I said, what what possible thing do you have to gain? Because if you're going for that victory, it's almost impossible to define. Like I won, I beat her. Like physically? Like do you wanna like fight her? That would have a more tangible outcome than just like, I wanna get tangled back in with this person and be mean to her. That's not going to get you anywhere. That isn't a level up. And you've worked hard to do that. So to go back into this dynamic would really just dismantle everything you've you've tried to do. So keep it moving. Forgive yourself for maybe having a shitty friend breakup, you know, because maybe that's why you want to stay tied to the situation. Because if you feel like you got to win, then you're no longer the bad guy. You're the victor. But a lot of times, those are one and the same, baby, right? So learn from that. Lean into that and cultivate healthier and more reciprocal balanced friendships going forward. That's how you win. So Shannon submitted this question. She said, I've been married for about a year and my husband is wonderful, smart, funny, cooks, cleans, great in bed, loves me incredibly. Girl, 
put him back on the market. But I've started crushing so hard on a coworker that I'm even contemplating divorce. My coworker is cute, he's funny, but I don't even think he'll do chores or be as good of a husband. You know, like on paper, he just isn't as good. Even if I get divorced to be with my coworker, I'm worried that in a year, I'll be crushing on someone new. Like in college, I crushed so hard on other boys that I broke up my three-year relationship to be with him. Why do I fall for others and stop, you know, feeling for my partner? Well, I completely get this. I too am a chronic crusher. That's because I'm a flirt and I just need a lot of attention. I'm an only child. I'm a narcissist. I understand that I have high attention needs and that crushes are kind of always going to be part of my life, but that's okay as long as they're manageable. As long as I do what guys do and compartmentalize, you know, this is, this is a huge reason like why the communication between men and women break down. Like when we meet a guy on vacation and we have this wonderful fling and whatever, even though we might live in different continents, like we want to make it work. And the guy's like, well, see you later. They know how to compartmentalize. They know how to keep things in a certain category of their life and not bleed into the rest of the things because they know ultimately it's either not going to work or it isn't even really what they want. So we got to take a page from them. But look, as a chronic crusher, I have realized two things. Number one, Crushes are very often a symptom of something larger. Like this crush represents the 20% your partner isn't giving you. And maybe that's simply novelty and newness. I've talked about the 80-20 rule before. It was in a Tyler Perry movie, as so much wisdom is. And he's like, I think it was, why did I get married? <laughs> I was going through a divorce when I watched that. It was, I was not happy. But <clears throat> he, the character says like, look, your partner is only going to give you 80% of what you need. No more, no less. But then you start fixating on what that 20% is that you're not giving. And along comes this girl who embodies that 20% and you become obsessed with it. So you leave your wife for her thinking because you're so blinded by the 20% that actually she's going to give you 100 and she's not. You've downgraded. You've gone from 80 to 20. So it's really important to recognize and identify what that 20% is that you need and like compartmentalize it. Now look, if you say, hey, I don't have sex enough with my boyfriend and my husband, that's not a 20% thing. That's like a 60% thing. So that is something you need to get out of. If it's, he doesn't communicate with me, that's also not a 20% thing. A 20% thing is like, you know, he's a night owl and I'm a morning person and we don't like to spend our Saturdays the same way. But you know, that actually might be a little bit bigger. It could be something like, I like porn and he doesn't. Like, that's more of a 20% thing. But in Shannon's case, it could be just like novelty and newness. She could just be kind of like bored in relationships in general, which I think a lot of us experience, even though we love our partner, we don't necessarily want to be single, but we just want a little bit of spice still, right? But you're right. You are going to keep repeating this cycle no matter who you're dating. So you do have to analyze what this new guy, what all of these new guys are an emotional getaway car from? Is it stagnation? Are you in a relationship and like you feel like there's no more novelty in that relationship, like there's nothing left to discover? You can generally get whatever that getaway car thing is in your relationship. Because look, you don't wanna leave your husband if you're not clued into what you actually need from a partner. Because like I said, this is gonna keep repeating. I remember when I was getting divorced and we were in therapy and she's like, what's your biggest fear? I was like, my biggest fear is that five years from now, I'm going to be on this couch again with somebody different. She's like, then you need to learn from this. And she was right. I learned a ton about myself and hopefully, you know, I'm not just going to keep repeating them. I'm ready to make fresh new mistakes. Yay. 
So the, the second thing I've learned as a chronic crusher is that not every feeling needs to be followed. This is also something that women do that guys don't. And it's part of that compartmentalization. Like we feel a spark and we're just like, I have to go after this. I have to date him and love him and make him mine. I have to marry him. I have to divorce my husband, blah, blah, blah. Guys are like, yeah, she's fun to flirt with. I'm gonna go home to my wife though. Like they don't take it that seriously. It don't get that deep. We can compartmentalize because that's how guys do it. And guess what? Guys get to run the world. Do you know why? Because they're not wasting their energy chasing every single spark that they feel. They keep it controlled. They keep it moving. And they analyze more, I guess, realistically, what this 20% girl is going to actually give them. Whereas women don't. We get blinded and bamboozled by love. You know? So look. First of all, this work crush doesn't sound like he's asking you to leave his husband. Like, this is a crush. What you know about him is simply what he has allowed you to know, right? He could poop in the shower. You don't know, girl. Marriage is logistics. This is true. So instead of incinerating your life for a billion unknowns that is probably going to end up in the exact same place, you having a crush on somebody else, compartmentalize. Think of this guy as someone fun to spice up the day, not someone to leave your husband for. Okay, so our last question comes from Anna. We have another question about friends, and I feel like we're on a roll with this friend stuff. You know, maybe it's just that time of year where everyone's kind of like emotionally cleaning house, making room for new things, hopefully. Because you know what? We got to trim dead ends. That doesn't just mean for our hair. So she says, I have a friend I'm conflicted about. She's a nice girl and we have fun, but there's a lot of moments that I just don't vibe with. Examples. When she drinks, she becomes kind of out of control and annoying and hostile. Number two, I feel like if I don't include her, like even unintentionally, she'll call me out and make me feel guilty, even though it's not my job to please her. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. She also victimizes herself. I live close to her, like her dorm room, and I feel stuck and guilty. I don't know if I dislike her enough to cut her off. I'm just confused. I don't know what to do. So I understand. I know you feel like we all kind of deal with a personality like this at some point where it's like they're not great, but they're not terrible. So what do you do? I decided a long time ago, something doesn't have to be terrible to not be part of my life, right? Whether it's a pair of shoes, it's like, well, I don't hate them. Great. I don't have to hate something or a person or a situation or a job or a haircut or whatever it is. I have a higher threshold in my life. I want to love everything. I want to love all my friends, love my boyfriends, love my shoes. And if something isn't singing to me, if it's not awakening my purpose, my passion, leveling me up, surrounding me with love, filling me with support, it just doesn't need to be in my life. Life is too short. Time is our non-renewable resource. And you know, I say that energy is as well. So why stay tied to someone who it sounds like just kind of drains you? She's nice. She can be fun. You know what I've always read? Hitler was a delight at parties. Anyone can be nice. Anyone can be fun. The sad truth is we have to judge people based on how bad they can be, based on the, on the floor, not the ceiling, right? Because if someone stresses you out, nah, 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 nah. There's no amount of nice. There's no amount of fun at a party. The balance is out that kind of toxicity. And they don't have to do it on purpose. This is another thing that it took me a long time to realize. Like, well, she doesn't mean to be like that. Who gives a shit? Intentions don't really add up to anything. Look at drunk driving, right? 
people probably don't intend to get in their car and murder somebody, but they do. And that doesn't erase the consequences and it doesn't erase the punishment. You still have to deal with that. So the road to hell, as they say, is paved with good intentions. So think of it this way. Energy and time is a currency, right? Money is a currency. Now, instead of picturing yourself spending energy on this person, picture yourself spending money. Every time you hang out with her, it costs you $75. Every time she bothers you, it costs you another $15. Suddenly, you'd, <laughs> you'd have a real good idea of what she brought to the table, right? Real good. It would very specifically and sharply quantify the pluses and minuses of having this person in your life. And like I said, time and energy, not as renewable as we think. So you're spending something. It might not be dollars. It might not be French francs or the euro. There aren't even French francs anymore. That's so weird. But you are still spending something, something you can't get back. Why? Look, you don't owe her anything, right? It's our inclination as women to please, to be, you know, pack builders, whatever. But her expectations are her own and you don't need to twist yourself into a pretzel to please her because what is the return on that investment? Say you're friends with her for the next 20 years. What have you gotten out of it? Not like you should look at friendships from like this usury point of view, like what am I getting from you? But literally, what are you getting from someone? If you're not getting peace of mind, which should be the absolute baseline, the foundation, the table stakes, the price of admission, nothing else is gonna be worth it, right? So. You have my permission to cut her off. The worst case scenario, she hates you, okay? I'm a big believer in taking worst case scenarios to the absolute nth degree. Like, okay, she hates you and she tells people she hates you and uh, does the world stop spinning? Nope, the sun comes up, God, she's still on the throne. Shallon's still making videos, life goes on. Like 40,000 people on the internet hate me. Like people say unspeakable things to me, whatever. The world keeps turning, I keep getting paid. We have to get comfortable with disappointing people because it is definitely better to disappoint other people and have them not like us than to not like ourselves. And make no mistake, this is where that leads. Because this kind of person, if you let one of her into your life, you're gonna let a bunch more. You're gonna let a bad boyfriend into your life. You're gonna let a bad boss into your life. You're going to normalize feeling like this. And before you know it, you're going to have a life that is run by guilt instead of passion and power. And once you entrench yourself into that lane, it is very, very hard to get out of it. We all deserve better. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage.